0: Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Jake here. Just wanted to mention this podcast was recorded Monday night, so it was after the Blake Griffin trade went down, but before Tuesday's news came out that John Wall is going to miss six to eight weeks with this knee procedure. Uh, We do talk a little bit about how that, um, you know, if Wall did miss time, which, you know, we kind of had a feeling, you know, this could be something that cost him a couple weeks. So, We do kind of talk about how that will affect Washington at the trade deadline. But if you want to skip ahead and just get to the uh, trade idea talk, um, just skip the first 20 minutes and we'll get to the good stuff. So, all right. Welcome to the Bullets Forever podcast. The podcast you check out because Locked On Wizards just isn't out for the day yet and you need something to pass the time. I am Jake Whitaker and uh, today I am joined by the one and only head of our New York Bureau here at Bullets Forever, Alan Jenkins. What is yep. up, my good man?
1: What's up, Jake? How are you doing?
0: I am, uh, I'm doing all right. I was uh, doing better before um, the news came out this week about uh, John Wall's uh, knee flaring up again. I mean, frankly, I'm not too shocked considering how he played recently and just kind of, you know, when, when Wall is not 100% um, there's just a really bad ripple effect um, throughout the team, and I think we saw that with that loss to Charlotte, with that loss to Dallas, and just kind of e- even in the Thunder game. The only reason that game was as competitive as it was is because one Beal was going bananas, and Wall, you know, hit several threes that he probably wouldn't normally hit. But I mean, that, that's kind of my take. What, what, where are you at with uh, John Wall right now?
1: Yeah, not to start the podcast off with a ton of negativity, but this—it's—it's it's not good. Um, when, like, for example, when I go to the doctor and everything's fine, I don't say I need a—I don't need a second opinion. So him asking for a second opinion means something is going on. Now he never came out and said anything over, over this past stretch, but you saw it specifically on the defensive end. He. Did, didn't, it looked like something was wrong or if something was wrong that he was just dogging it ends up, his knee is still giving him issues. And this is a guy, this is the second, his second little, I don't want to say injury, but a uh, flare up so far this year, he has a history of knee injuries. Um We thought it was past him the past summer when he got this, the knee surgery, I think it was summer of 2016 to clean, to clean out both of his knees and here we are again. it keeps rearing its ugly head and with professional athletes and a knee injury is never never minor at least in my opinion.
0: yeah, it just um you know there there was always this kind of fear when uh wall got signed to the super max uh, you know guards more than big men don't tend to age well because you know the knee issues tend to flare up more for them, I think than the bigger guys and so you know i this is kind of the the downside of going that way i mean i don't think you can question the ultimate decision because if you go the other way you know it's just kind of chaos and you know apocalypse now basically but um you know this is kind of the the fear and you have to hope that um the wizards do what it takes to ensure his long-term health. I don't know what exactly that means. I'm not a doctor. Everyone just says, oh, shut him down, you know, till the all-star break. Well, I mean, if it's just a few day thing and all the doctors agree, then, you know, you don't need to just shut him down to shut him down, but you don't need to be aggressive either. Um, with where this team is right now. Um, and you know, yeah, maybe some of the wizard struggles this year can really directly be attributed to Walnut being himself. And, you know, when you're in pain, you're it's harder to be good, especially defensively. And I think we're seeing that. Uh, not to excuse everything that he's done this season or anything that way, but you know, it, it does kind of make sense um, what he's going through and you know some of the struggles. So maybe there's some optimism that if he can get right, that it fixes things up and they can kind of get back to what they were. But
1: yeah, and it, he kind does of, it kind of explains yeah. everything. It explains. Him standing around on defense, being a spectator if the ball's not in his hands. It explains the defensive effort not being there on a consistent basis, except for when he's chasing down blocks. And it explains why he just he's, been, he's looked like a shell of himself pretty much for the entire season. So, um, yeah, I agree. I don't think you shut him down just for, the, just for the sake of shutting him down. If the doctors say he's okay, then by all means let him play, especially because there's some, the the schedule isn't getting easier for the wizards. So, um, but yeah, I agree. This is, this is not the, the, this is not something the wizards need right now considering the season hasn't been, uh, you know, roses and rainbows so far.
0: Yeah. And, uh, considering, uh, we're recording this on a Monday night. So, um, this is just hours after, uh, the Blake Griffin trade. Um, a guy who was drafted number one a year before Wall and got dealt with four and a half years left on his deal. I mean, you're essentially looking at Wall being in that exact same position next year. And I'm not saying trade Wall. I'm not saying anyone's exploring that. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, Wall has meant a lot more to Washington than Los Angeles um, for, with Blake Griffin. But at the same time, all I'm trying to say is things change really quickly and um you know it's something that this is a serious thing to monitor um whether or not this specific knee thing is serious so um you know hopefully all is well with that but um you know real quickly um i know saturday the the talk was bubbling up um during that hawks game because uh the wizards played really well um which I didn't find shocking at all because anytime you lose a star, you're going to have guys bring their A game because they know uh, minutes are available. They know they all need to step up just to be competitive. And, you know, you've got two really good, well, not two really good backup point guards, but two backup point guards who know how to distribute the ball. So not surprisingly, the Wizards had a lot of assists against a really bad team that does not play defense very well on the second night of a back to back. I it think, so, yeah. So it's I, I think people are trying to make that something more than it is. But um, I mean, am I crazy or or is that or is there something that maybe the Wizards are just a better ball moving team without John Wall?
1: So I think you're trying to go is this addition by subtraction. Is, is that the route you're trying to go or no? Um, I, I mean,
0: I don't want to go that far because I, I think that's just way too blasphemous. But is is all this extra quote-unquote ball movement beneficial in the long term or is it just something that looks good when the shots are going against a bad team?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, best, the best basketball teams in the NBA move the ball very well. Golden State, Boston – San Antonio, Houston. So yes, the ball movement is. You would like to see this more more often. You know when it's not ideal when Wall and Beal pound the ball into the floor, but at the same time, those guys need the ball in their hands. Now, do I think you're a little bit crazy saying that there's two viable options behind Wall a little bit? Um, Right. You know, let's give credit where credit's due. Satoransky and Tim Frazier. They had the opportunity with Wall out. They took advantage of it, combined for I think twenty-one assists. for Frazier had 14, Saturansky seven, if I'm remembering correctly. But um they took advantage of an opportunity against a bad Atlanta team, like you said, on the second half to a back to of a back to back. Um those guys really aren't aren't shooting first, they're not looking for their shots, they're looking to get others involved but I would not buy into it too much. And if Wall – I think Wall is doubtful tomorrow night against Oklahoma Mm -hmm. City at home. So we are going to see the sequel of what the the Sadoransky-Fraser duo looks like against um, some better point guards, let's put it that way. And um, let's kind of – let's pump the brakes before we we say that there's two great options behind Wall. Right. And Saturanski, don't get me wrong; he's improved greatly. It's more so Frazier that I'm talking about here. Um, the 14 assists, very impressive. I think it was the most by a backup since Muggsy Bogues, or something, yeah. some weird stat like that. Um, so give him credit, but what's? I wouldn't buy too much into it.
0: Okay, and I'm just gonna just gonna throw this out. Um, if you go, to, I'm on NBA.com right now. Um, Teams with the highest percentage of assisted shots made. Not most most made, but highest percentage of the shots that they actually make being assisted. Right. Number one is the Warriors, as you'd expect, because they're just a bananas team. Uh, number two is the 76ers. Number three is the Pelicans. Number four is the Atlanta Hawks. And number five is the Bulls. Okay, I would not expect that. Yeah, so I I mean, I I think it's kind of a a chicken and egg thing because the Hawks and Bulls just don't have guys who can create their own shots. So, you know, it's like, how else are you going to get a basket if someone is not setting you up? But um, yeah, I I guess just at the end of the day, um, yeah, ball movement is crucial to having a good offense, but um, you can't just have ball movement and not have – players who can get their own when they need to. And yeah. so I, I think if you're just relying on Beal, um, eventually you're going to run into issues. And I know you covered a game um, about um, where the Wizards did not have John Wall and
1: it did not go well. Um, yeah. Let's <laughs> what's, what's call what's called the offense what it is. When Beal has the ball, he pounds it into the floor. Mm-hmm. The, the Gortat pick-and-roll... Two man game, They, they either run that. But if that doesn't work, he's not. He's not really. He doesn't drive to 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 pass the ball. He's driving to score, which is fine. But for a point guard, I know he's not a point guard. You want your point guard driving, not only to score but looking to set others up. You know he he sometimes misses wide open guys for three. Wall does the same. He's forcing, he has been forcing it a little bit. He's missed some open open opportunities to kick it out for three. But it just seems like, it seems like when Beal is running the offense, if the pick and roll isn't there, if the two man wink, wink, I'm going back door with Gortat isn't there, then there's not a whole lot of movement. And I think, I think we saw it, the other night against the Hawks, that the Wizards can move the ball around; they don't have to just pound the ball into the floor and and wait around. And as a result, they they won. But like I said, it was against the Hawks. It was nice to see, but it's it's more of those good to see moments. But let's see it against some of these better teams, right?
0: And and for those of you that uh, couldn't pick up on the cue, Alan recapped the uh, forty seven point loss to the Jazz. Oh, I thought. Uh,
1: there was the Jazz. There's the Hornets. There was yeah,
0: there, there was a lot of bad ones. But I, I think yeah. the Jazz was the worst because you actually stayed up late for that, which was kind of like um, two birds with one stone, but like the opposite. Um, like like if you're the bird and you just get hit by two stones, maybe or something. But <laughs> but okay, um,
1: yeah.
0: So, but yeah, I, I think the, the thing that's especially frustrating when they run so much through Beale is that. You know, Saturansky, even though he's a better three point shooter, um, you know, he's not a guy that teams are covering yet. It's still kind of a we'll let you shoot it. And if you hit it, you know, we'll just kind of take it for what it is. He's not like hitting them.
1: What? Last year's Oubre.
0: Exactly. And I mean, you know, even though Saturansky's percentage is a lot better, it's just not the same. And so I I think teams are still willing to let that happen. And, you know, obviously Tim Frazier, he's kind of got the Brandon Jennings. uh, I'm not even going to bother shooting threes now. I'm just going to – if you leave me open, I'm just going to try to probe around. So, you know, when you have Beal, you know, really running the offense, not only does it um, take Beal out of his element, it takes the point guards out of their element. So – um, hopefully they kind of find a different balance because I mean they, I mean it's cliche to say they found the perfect balance when he had that fifty one point game against uh, Portland. But you know even if you look at like the Phoenix game, and granted Phoenix isn't exactly a great defense either, but they found a much better mix between you know using Beal as the guy who can get into the paint and make things happen, but also letting him work around some screens and let letting other guys do stuff. So uh, hopefully you know, for however long Wall is out, they can kind of strike more of that balance and less of what we saw, you know, in the Jazz game, in that Nets game that they lost without Wall and et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, enough about injuries. Um, Let's move to the NBA trade deadline because that is quickly approaching. Uh, Already had a couple moves and, um, you know, there's been a lot of interesting ideas thrown out there, but well, I guess one last thing related to the wall injury now that we're kind of talking about the trade deadline. With Wall being what he is at this exact moment, do you think that should affect Washington's approach to the trade deadline?
1: No in the sense that I think they need to I think they need to make moves regardless if he was 100% healthy or not. It's clear that there's there's a there's many holes on this team. And so what first started out so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna rank these kind of what what I think the Wizards need. So once it was clear that Jody Meeks wasn't the answer at the backup shooting guard position, I thought, okay, the Wizards clearly need a scorer off the bench. I've flipped on that. No, well, flipped like I, they still need that, but I think their main priority at the trade de- deadline needs to be getting younger and more athletic on the front line. It's the center position aside, we can, we can talk about bad contracts. W- let's take contracts out, uh, out of it with your, our cent the centers, the wizard centers are marching Gortat and Jan Mahimi, both over 30 years old, both can't shoot unless it can't really shoot unless it's a layup or a dunk. They struggle with some of these stretch fives. They're not grabbing re- rebounds. Like they're, they're just not in the game. It's, it's not, it's not working. It's, it's not working. Markeith Morris—he was the big reasons. The, the, the one of the big reasons the Wizards turned it around last year, when they went on that that huge run. He—I don't know what he is right now. He, he, maybe he's still injured. Maybe he's not. He never fully. He didn't look like himself after he came back from the injury. He put together a few good games. Then he would start dogging it again. Now he's strung together two good games, but then you look at his opponents. Okay, like I said, the Wizards beat the Hawks. let not buy too much into it. And the night before, yes, I believe he had a double double against the Thunder. But who was guarding him for the majority of that game? Carmelo Anthony. So I, I don't think we—it's not there. And so now you're left with one, the most, the best, and most consistent guy at the power forward or center position. You know, take take the small ball out of it. Is Mike Scott? a guy who they signed for like $1.5 million this offseason on the veterans minimum. He's their best. He's their be, been their best power forward so far 49 games into the season. So I think they need to get younger, they need to get more athletic, and they need to find a shooter on the front line.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better, especially because, you know, Mike Scott, as the most reliable, consistent guy, um, could very easily be gone uh,
1: this summer. Um, and if he could get paid, he's, he's working uh, his way for, for a nice payday.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he's going to be right in that, um, you know, mid-level range where, um, you know, the wizards can offer that to him, but so could other contending teams that maybe offer more minutes or a better shot at winning. And so, you know, when the wizards can't really go above that, um, it creates issues because they don't have like the bird rights to give him, like something even bigger. And, and, you know, even still, that could be problematic because, you know, Mike Scott is getting a little older himself. And, you know, you might kind of get Martell Webstered um, by giving him a big deal just based off of, um, you know, one good shooting season. And what, and, and what
1: happens if he doesn't shoot 66% from the field next year?
0: Exactly. Then you're you're just kind of stuck with like a, a Markeith Morris that's not as big, strong, or physical and that's an issue so yeah i mean i think long term uh definitely the biggest issue is um addressing front court uh, depth and age and just trying to find some way to get some young legs in there that are not chris mccullough um that uh have a long-term future here that can you know be beneficial um doing that isn't going to be easy but um I i think that's the main thing but i would say if there was a place to get a rental it would be shooting guard if for no other reason then right now you know scott brooks is like alternating which games jody meeks plays and which he doesn't which is putting beal in a position where he's playing you know 40 45 minutes a game and uh unless we want beal to be in the same position walls in two years from now um i think it would probably be good if they got him a competent shooting guard just to get through this season even. um, So he's not playing that kind of minute load because otherwise, you know, you're just going to run him into the ground to be, you know, maybe the fourth best team in the East. And I, I don't think that's really optimal.
1: Yeah. You hit the nail on the head and while we're at it, I'll throw another position in there. Small forward. Yeah. If Otto Porter, if this hip, if this hip keeps bothering him, and Kelly Oubre now, and Porter has to miss time. The Wizards don't have any depth at small forward. They Oubre nope. has to start. There's no, there's no youth. There's no flexibility. Scott Brooks looks down the bench. There's nobody there. And there, that's that's three positions really that the that the Wizards, I guess, four real that the backup backup for shooting guard. That there are some major major issues. Should one of these players. You know, knock on wood, have a bad injury mm-hmm. or a, ling- a lingering injury even yeah. for, for that matter.
0: Mm-hmm. So that actually kind of brings us into um, our next segment, which is just um, a collection of random trade ideas that I've uh, found on the internet or thought of myself, which um, I'm going to have you rate one to 10 based on uh, how much you like them. One being, uh absolutely awful don't even mention it again and 10 being um i would give my left kidney to make it happen deal yeah um um uh, disclaimer for anyone under 18 listening do not give away your kidneys whoever collects them cannot be trusted and they will probably try to take other organs from you just keep that in mind anyway Um, So the first trade I got actually came from the Dunked On podcast, which does a mock trade deadline uh, podcast every year. And uh, they did one deal involving Washington. Uh, It involves Memphis. Uh, Basically, Washington would get Tyreek Evans and James Ennis, and Memphis would get Washington's first-round pick, Jason Smith, Jody Meeks, Chris McCullough, and Sheldon Mack. And basically, that trade – you know, you get bench depth and you effectively get under the tax this season, other than one other minor move, you know, you could just probably dump Tim Frazier somewhere to get under and you'd be set.
1: Yeah. So I would, I would say it's about a six. Uh, I like Tyreek Evans. I like the wing depth there. Once again, he's one of those guys who needs, who needs the ball in his hands, but the, for me the wizards they have to they can't keep giving away these first round picks um unless unless it's for a player that they can see here for a while or that they legitimately think is going to take them that they, that they think that they'll be able that they can use that pick to trade for a player that will get them over the hump this year it's It's hard for me to see Tyreek Evans you know tipping the needle that much to give up the first round pick. So it sound all getting rid of all the other guys. Sounds, sounds nice, but, um, the first round pick doesn't. So about a six, I'm lukewarm on it. Yeah. Honestly,
0: I'd probably give it a three. This, this sounds like a Grunfeld special, just, just like right down the middle. Um, I mean, the biggest issue is Tyreek Evans is on a expiring deal. And since it's only a one year, you, you don't get his bird rights. So, you you have to hope that your mid-level is enough to keep him away from other teams that would want to offer the same deal. And I'm not sure that's enough. And then otherwise you're just kind of stuck with James Ennis. And, I mean, yeah, he's under contract longer. He's an upgrade from Jody Meeks. But that's not worth a first-round pick to me. Nope. Um, and, and, I mean, I don't know w- what exactly Washington's priority is in terms of you know how important it is for them to get under the tax this season. I mean, it would it would be a nice you know show of good faith to pay it, even in maybe a year where they're not um, fully a contender. Just to kind of show that, yeah, we are a team that's willing to do this. But at the same time, I realize it is a business. Washington isn't um, always a money making market. So, you know, I just think there are probably other better ways to get under the tax than that. And you know, like, and it's just something even too. I think, as great a season as Tyreek Evans is having, I think so much of what he does well would be marginalized in Washington, because I mean, you're probably at that point your bench is like Evans, Ennis, Ubre, Scott, and Mahimi. and I mean, that's not really a a bench lineup flush with uh, spacing.
1: And I just it sounds think sounds like you're just shuffling the cards again, different different yeah. places.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's something I don't think there's really a way you fit him on the floor late in games. And if you do, I'm not sure Tyreek Evans taking your last minute shots is better than Waller Beal taking your last minute shots. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan. I, I get the concept, but no. All right. So second trade via the ringer, uh, Washington gets Alec Burks and Royce O'Neal from Utah in exchange for Marcin Gortat and Washington's first-round pick.
1: I don't think that's enough to give up a first-rounder. And I'm less excited about that one, a three or a four. I'm not excited about that. Yeah, you dump Gortat's salary, but I don't think that's enough to give up a first-rounder. No, no.
0: Yeah, don't, I, I know it's it's easy to kind of rag on any site that throws out uh, trade ideas. But if there was one site that excelled at trade ideas that do not ever help the Wizards, it is the Ringer. And uh, this, no, no, we're not giving up a first rounder for Alec Burks, I'm sorry. Uh, Royce O'Neill might be interesting, but I'd rather have someone a little more intriguing um, as the other prospect if I'm giving up a first. Um I mean, I I would say I don't hate the idea of using Marching Gortat's salary and a first to get someone at a position other than center that's a little more switchable. Um, Alec Burks would fit that, and I I do think there's a case to be made. He could probably play a little better in Washington than Utah, but I don't trust that enough to give up a first. So, yeah, I, I would give that like a two and a half. Yeah, can't get excited there. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I, I think like like at least with like the Bogdanovich trade, and I mean I think you could argue Bogdanovich is less of a player than Alec Burks, but like at least then you got off just complete dead salary and, and there was a little more rationale there. This that would just no. Okay. So good news this next trade does not include a first rounder.
1: Okay. All
0: right. Uh Jason Smith. And Jody Meeks going to Phoenix in exchange for Troy Daniels. And what and and, and Phoenix gets a second round. Oh, and, and one other thing, one other thing. Uh, Phoenix also gets um basically all of Washington's cash considerations, which is like a five million dollar max per team. Um, so that basically covers Smith's salary for next season.
1: Yeah, I mean this is this just sounds like another one of those shuffle the decks what let's see if a new guy in a different situation can can turn things around. 8.7 points per game, 43% shooting. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's an upgrade. Um to upgrade, it sounds like an upgrade. It's an upgrade over Meeks, that's for sure. You said Smith and Smith and Meeks,
0: Smith Meeks in the second rounder for Daniels. And that gets you out of the tax and, you know, a better Meeks.
1: Yeah, so this is actually now that I'm I'm looking at his numbers, they're a little bit better than Troy Daniels. They're a little bit better than I thought it would be. I'm still, I'm not getting excited. I'm not doing laps around the block or anything like that. But the second rounder holds little to no value. If you can get Smith off the books, he doesn't have that big of a salary. If you get Meeks, it's obviously that's not working out. I'm going with six and a half.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's, that's, that's about where I'd be too. It's not, it's not a sexy trade, but it kind of, you know, gets off some money that you're not really using and it gets you a little more production to kind of um, give you that injury protection on Beal so that he's not playing all those crazy minutes. Because I mean, I, I think with the way that bench is constructed, you really just need a guy at shooting guard who could make shots if he could play defense that's nice i'm not convinced troy daniels can really do that but at least at least he holds people accountable on the other end and you've got sadaransky and Ubre who can kind of pick up the slack and then you just kind of hide daniels on whoever your worst perimeter guy is so i yeah i it's like a six or a seven it's i don't love it but it's it's something it's a trade
1: it's uh yeah changes scenery hopefully
0: yes And hopefully, you know, it's not it's something I I mean, I think the biggest thing with Meeks is just he just doesn't get the separation he used to on those shots like his form still looks fine. I think it's just he has to rush it a little more because he's not getting clear. And so, you know, hopefully Daniels, if you could kind of just plug him into that same spot and hopefully just kind of get a little better result. Yeah. So with
1: Meeks, I slightly disagree, I would say. I think he gets pretty good looks. To be honest, Um, you know, obviously coming off of screens isn't coming off of his screens, especially when he's curling to his right. Right. Put he just the way he shoots the ball puts him at a disadvantage because he kind of he shoots it from his hip. So curling to the left, that he he would get a better look that way. But I think he gets decent looks. I just think it's more of a it's. He's just having a season where his shots aren't falling, and that happens for guys, and you can't really chalk it up to oh, he's old oh his his form is off or this that the other. I just think he's just having a down season
0: yeah, yeah, I get that it's it's just it's it's like it's always Washington like either you have like the Mike Scott season where everything goes perfectly your first year on a minimum deal, or you get paid and you turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah
1: and that's it's in and, and, we're, and we're, we're watching both 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 ends yes. happen right before our eyes
0: right and you know of course the irony is that um meeks probably should have gotten mike scott's deal and mike scott should have gotten jody meek's deal and things would be so much better right now but they're not and so yeah all right trade number four markeith morris jason smith and washington's first round pick going to chicago for Nikola Mirotic and Quincy Pondexter, uh, Pondexter is coming off the books this season.
1: Now get, now things are getting interesting. Remind me again, wh- and Mirotic has one year after this year? Yes,
0: which is technically a team option, and technically the Bulls would have to exercise that team option as part of the trade, I believe, just to make it happen. But, it, of course, Mirotic is going to want that because you know he wants out of Chicago. So Right,
1: right. By the way, this feels very on-brand for, uh, for Ernie. Yes. For, for, for we, Ernie.
0: we are keeping things very on-brand tonight.
1: You know, this, oh Gosh, I really, really, really don't want to get rid of that first-round pick unless it's for a guy that I think really moves the needle. And I don't think Miritich really moves the needle, mm-hmm. but he would be perfect. If everybody's healthy plugging him at the five as they close out the games in small ball, starting at the four, you know, obviously he's not as, he, he's not, a, he's not a great defender. He's not as physical as Morris, but he knocks down threes at a higher rate. He can he's a much better scorer than Morris. Yeah. He floats around the three point arc uh, a little too much. I would say, I would like to see him do, do a little bit more down low, but I guess it's not really his game. You know, it, it feels like a very wizard wizardy trade. And you know, I think you convinced me. Um, I would do that. I wouldn't be so thrilled, but I would be, I would be okay with it. I, I would feel good about it. I would give it a seven.
0: Okay. I, I honestly, I I'm probably more of like a, a five on it. I, I just, my, my thing is not so much. I, I agree. I think he opens things up offensively. And he kind of gets the Wizards away from just like their weird habit of giving Morris uh, more shots than he needs. Even though his shots are way down this season, it, it still feels like half of the shots he takes are not the right ones. Um, so, I mean, I think from an offensive perspective, he's a big help. And I think, you know, a change of scenery would do him good. But at the same time, you know, by doing that, you're you're essentially locking in to paying him um, uh, two seasons from now. Uh, when he's going to be 28, same age Morris is now, and I, I think you're just kind of locking yourself into a bad deal down the road. And at that point, I'd rather just take that first rounder who would be in the NBA for a season and hope that you're at a better spot. You might not be, but you might. I mean, <laughs> Kyle Kuzma was drafted uh, fairly late in the first round. You might yep. find a guy like him. And, you know, there's only going to be more of these athletic hybrid big men coming out as, you know, college and high school and AAU prepares them more for that. So I guess for me, it's like I'd rather pay Miritich uh, at the end of next summer than Markeith Morris. But I'd, I'd rather wait and see what I could use Morris as an expiring contract to fetch uh This time next year, rather than just rush into something now.
1: Fair enough. So,
0: okay. Now we're going to get a little spicier now.
1: Okay. I've I've, Uh, I've been waiting for this.
0: This isn't the spiciest one, but spicier. Uh, The Clippers get March Jason Smith, Tim Frazier, and Washington's first and second rounders for DeAndre Jordan. That's it. It's a 10. Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. De'Andre Jordan would be perfect in this offense. All he has to do, and he's he's leading the league again in field goal shooting percentage, I believe. He just has to dunk the ball. They don't need to run. They need to run next to no plays for him. So essentially, it's the Marcin Gortat offense. You know, they don't even give him the ball two, three times in the post a game. That's fine. On defense, you have a guy who's proven to be a rim protector who has these who has nights where he can grab 15, 18 rebounds a game and, and he can spread things out like the wizards, a a wall Beal Porter, Uber, Deandre Jordan lineup down to close the game out. That's pretty scary. Uh, Obviously his free throw shooting is a little bit of a cause for concern, whether you can keep him on the floor late, but outside of that, I, yeah, I I'm doing that 10 times out of 10.
0: Now, let me throw two slight variations on this. Okay. In the first variation, the Clippers come back and they say, "We don't want your second round pick. We want Kelly Oubre."
1: Do you still do the deal? And and I still have to give up the I still have to give up the first rounder, but I can keep the second. Right. No, because then I think you're giving up too much youth. I think you're giving up too much length, and at at some point, the Wizards in the. 'cause they're gonna have to assuming DeAndre Jordan opts in next year he can he can opt out so this could potentially be a rental, but the center market isn't going to get isn't going to be in his favor so I think he's going to opt in but the wizards have to build through the draft at some point and have to build around young players and they finally found one in Ubre that was outside of like a top three pick, so I think you have to draw the line somewhere and yeah, I, I, it's, it's not even so much that I think that Oubre is going to be this amazing player turning into an all-star or whatnot, but I just think you have to hold on to your assets while you have them and you have to get younger and get more athletic at some point and getting rid of him, you're, you're going all in on your starting five again and your bench is just as thin if not thinner than it was before. So I, if, if it's Ubrey, I'm saying no. If it's the, the first trade, um, I'm all in.
0: Okay, now let me, let me throw two things at you. One, I think if the Wizards got DeAndre Jordan, he is absolutely opting out because he knows Washington has to re-sign him to make the trade worth it. And that gives him leverage and he can probably name his price. So I'm going to throw that out there. Number two... Let's say the Wizards say no to Oubre, and the Clippers come back and say, Okay, then we want your 2020 first round pick as well, because you can't take your 2019 because of the Stepian rule. So, two firsts Tim Frazier, Jason Smith, Martin Gortot for DeAndre Jordan.
1: No, I think that's too much. I think the, sec- the second first round or, or the 2020 first round pick, I just think, I, I think that's too much. Like uh, the Wizards can't keep mortgaging away these picks. You you have to draw the line at some point. It's it's already caught up to them. One first round pick. Okay. But another future. No, especially, especially if you, if you think DeAndre Jordan's going to hold, potentially hold the Wizards hostage and opt out and, and make them ante up then no. Yeah.
0: I just feel like when you say the Wizards can't keep leveraging their future, someone's just saying, hold my beer. But <laughs> that's that's another um, discussion for another day. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think – and I think that's kind of where the rubber hits the road here. I think anything more than one first-rounder uh, for Jordan is too much. Maybe not in a vacuum, but from the Wizards' perspective, and that's kind of the issue, is just – they're so strapped for young assets as it is, and I think in I, I think what this exercise shows us too is that Ubre is worth more than a first round pick in um, these kind of trade ideas. Um, you know, at least Washington's first round pick, which you know was probably going to be late teens, early twenties. Um, you know, especially considering Washington's best lineups this year have generally had Ubre in them, even though I, I'm not sure. A lot of the advanced metrics would say Ubre is one of the Wizards' five best players. He's generally a part of their best five man lineups. And considering his age and you know, how little else there is in the cupboard, you just you need something more than DeAndre Jordan, which sounds blasphemous because he's been an all NBA player, but yeah, you need more than DeAndre Jordan to give up Kelly Ubre. So yeah, I mean I think if the Wizards could get that deal with Gortot, Smith, Frazier, and a first and a second rounder, I think that's a home run. Um, you know, I would the two second, I mean the two first, I think that's I'm with you. I'd probably draw the line in the sand there, but you know, considering the Wizards uh track record, I mean they're probably gonna trade that 20 21st at some point anyway. You might as well get the guy you want, uh then you know, let you know, trade it for whatever bad deal you want to get out of later anyway so but yeah so now i'm going to um put on my hazmat suit and go into uh the nuclear room for the most nuclear of all trades
1: kind of nervous here yes
0: you should be because um this is the one that's going to blow your head um i i shared it with another person at the site earlier just to get his thoughts and he said you, you know like, I need like 10 minutes to think about this because it's it gets weird. All right. Washington receives J.J. Reddick, Amir Johnson, and Rich Juan Holmes, as well as the pick um, coming to Philadelphia um, that Boston does not receive from the Markel Fultz trade, um, which is either going to be the Lakers pick, the Kings pick, or their own pick, um, whichever one – you Know there's a lot of weird protections, Lakers, which
1: oh, is okay. Okay, yeah, so
0: you're basically looking at something in the lottery or right outside the lottery. I was gonna say,
1: I like the Lakers or Kings pick, yeah.
0: Just remember, it's I'm gonna try to spell out the protections right now and they will not make sense, but okay. The future first round pick that Boston is getting from Philadelphia will be the Lakers first round pick if it's two through five in this year's draft. Yep. If it's number one or number six, the Sixers will instead give the Celtics the right to the Kings pick or the Sixers pick, whichever is better. So what I am proposing is that if the Celtics get the Lakers pick, that the wizards then get the Kings pick as part of this trade or the Sixers pick, depending on how it falls. Now, let me tell you, who Philadelphia wow. is getting. They are getting Yan Mahimi and Bradley Beal. So, before before you react, keep in mind, Reddick and Amir are on one-year deals. Yep. You can let them go this summer. Richwan Holmes is a nice developing young big man, and you have gone from basically being a tax-paying team to this summer having nearly max cap space. Well, cap space for a max player, I should say. Not max cap space. That's different. But not that I'm saying the Wizards would make a run at um, DeMarcus Cousins or any max player, but if you wanted to really shake things up and you just think there's something messed up to the core with this team, this is the way to do it.
1: So I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to blowing I wouldn't say blowing it up to to trading Wall or Beal, because I don't think either of them are untradeable. Although I don't know if that package is sweet enough to do it. I would have to think about it a little longer and kind of really, really just kind of figure out what I'm getting with, with, with Holmes. Amir Johnson. I, I, I know what, I know what I'm getting there. JJ Reddick, obviously he's a nice, a nice shooter, veteran leader, I don't know how much that's going to matter if they were to pull the trigger on that this year.
0: But and oh, here's wow.
1: the thing too: a lot if, if Reddick is a lot depends on where that pick is.
0: Yeah, and I mean the thing is, if if Reddick and Amir play well in Washington, you could
1: just keep them. Right, but JJ Reddick's on a one-year deal, isn't he?
0: Right, but because his salary is so bloated, you know, because he just got the one-year balloon. Um, you know, it's it's like any deal you sign him to is you're going to have the early bird rights. So it's not like an issue in the same way that like Mike Scott is
1: right. Gosh. Yeah. Stump me. Yeah. Um.
0: <laughs> and what I'll say too, is the other way you could do this is instead of Holmes, you could try to
1: go for Dario Saric. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think Richard Holmes is, is a, is a good player. I would, he's not the one, he's not the one. <laughs> well, well, I, I think that the two we'd like <laughs> are, are off the board. <laughs> I think giving me pause is: Are the are the Wizards really going to step away from Beal, somebody who, yes, he was a top three pick hit on, which you know give credit when credits due, but they they've been talking about building around this backcourt for years and, years and years and years and years, and now pulling the plug on it right after he's only in the second year deal, a second year of his of his max deal, and already pulling the plug after. Okay, so the thing with Beal – okay, let me get back. The thing with Beal is his stock is at an all-time high right now. He's having I, – I thought he had a, a pretty, he had a pretty damn good season last year. I, the stats would say this season's actually a little bit worse from last year, but um, he's having a very good year. Obviously, he's an all-star, and his stock right now is the highest that it's ever been. And I would say his stock right now is higher than John Wall's from a trade perspective. Yeah. So maybe I'm just being greedy right now, but I I like the idea of that trade. I'm thinking about it, but I think I want a little bit more. Yeah. If yeah. I'm going to get a deal.
0: Yeah. I mean not that getting off Mahimi is nothing cuz
1: that's a lot. It's 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 not.
0: <laughs> but it's,
1: it's, uh, the the Knicks and Joakim Noah, who <laughs> he has a similar deal, and things aren't going well there. So no, no, and that that's not nothing. And no, I agree with you. But I think to you know, this team rarely, rarely hits on picks, even when they're in the mm-hmm. top top five, top ten. They finally hit on three picks. If I'm going to chop that up already after giving him a the max deal. Which, which I guess I I get it. You know, Max deal is very, um, it's a loose statement now, but I think with his stock being so high, I think I'm going to be a little bit greedy and say no to that trade. I'm very intrigued, but, uh, but I would want a little bit more.
0: Yeah. I I think that's where I'm at too, is it's very, one of those things that just will mess with your head for a while, but
1: But the pick, the picks threw me off. If if the Kings get it and the Lakers get it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's something if I could say that it was, like, lottery protected, I would, but I don't think there's probably any way to do that reasonably considering the seventy sixers' trajectory after this season. Like, they right. may not make the playoffs this season, but they're probably going to make it for the next three or four. So it's like if you don't get that, you know, pick this year, it's only going to get worse for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, but yeah, it, it's, um, yeah, and the, all the protections are are enough of a headache without everything else. But yeah, as, as tempting as it is to kind of maybe reboot, um, you know, given some of the flaws of where the team is now, I just think there are probably better ways to do it. And, you know, at least this season with Jan, while he's still kind of a completely, um, useless in terms of bang for your buck, he at least fills a confined role this season where he's maybe not beneficial, but not a total detriment to the team?
1: Yeah, he, he didn't start off well. He's definitely improved. My whole thing is, assuming the Wizards make the playoffs, is he going to be playable in those series? Right,
0: and I I don't see that. Yeah. Like, so- I want to – yeah. Like, I mean, even – even though mahimi is playing better now i i can't see them using using him any more than they did um like in the second round of that celtic series once he got healthy and i want to say in like game 7 he might have played like me. you know cuz i mean like when all the cards are on the table and you got to really go out there and win a game it's a uh, oh ooh i he played 10 minutes and that yeah i thought it was 3 it was 10 and that that actually yeah, that okay. Oi, um, <laughs> that's. But yeah, that's um, still that that probably sounds about right. Um, unfortunately, but yeah. So I, I, I if, if anything else, that just reiterates really the heart of the issue. Um, at this trade deadline, is if you can find a young big that shows some kind of promise, try to do it. Um, I'd love to get in on Julius Randle. I don't think there's a way to do it um, with what the Lakers really need, which is cap space because Washington doesn't have that. Um, as well is kind of interesting, but I don't see the point in giving up draft assets when you could probably just try to sign him on the cheap this summer. Cause I, I don't think Dallas is keeping him.
1: So yeah, it's, things have not worked out there either.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, that's the thing I think a lot of people need to keep in mind with all these guys that could be, like, kind of quick fixes. Like, you know, there's no need to give up a draft asset if the team is just going to buy them out in a week. And you can, you know, know, hopefully you don't end up with Brandon Jennings again. But, you know, you could find somebody and not have to give up a draft pick to do it.
1: Yeah, and I think so – Funny you say that. Like, I think like some guys that fall into that category, obviously these are not sexy names by any means, but a guy like or Ilyasova, mm-hmm. Tyler Zeller maybe, um, I would call Orlando because they said they are having a potential fire sale, and I would say how much of a fire sale is this, and is Aaron Gordon avail- available that much yes. of a fire sale? Um but I think this all comes back to the wizard's hands are tied. They have no cap space and unless they're able to move one of these big contracts, which um, isn't impossible, but it's going to be hard to do. They're probably going to have to um, tie a pick along with it. Um, You're looking at a situation where you, they could potentially upgrade, but it's not going to be the fix that everybody is, is yearning for right now to turn this team around.
0: Right. Yeah. I I think it's just, it's, it's gonna take it's it's like a ship. When you got something that big and lunky, you can't just turn it on a dime. Um if you wanna pivot the ship, it's gonna take some subtle turns to kind of get it headed back the right direction with all the cargo, uh, so to speak. So, you know, I, I think there's hope, but you know, you don't need to do anything too too crazy to um try to fix things right away. Um
1: yeah, it's a slow burn it is and and the wizards are in a tough position they definitely the front office they should feel the heat um I don't know I don't know about job security and whatnot, but they should feel the heat they've made the second round three out of the past four years right now it's looking like it's looking like they're gonna you know I know they're in the five c right now it's looking like they're probably gonna end up playing Toronto. Cleveland or Boston in the first round which to say what you want about the Toronto series a couple of years ago that's a different team and I don't think it would be a clean sweep like it was a few years ago and the Wizards might might see themselves find themselves as an early out so I think the the front office is feeling the pressure and whether they really Make the smart decision or not, I kind of have a hunch that there's there's going to be a pretty decent sized deal that goes down come trade deadline.
0: Yeah, I, I looked back at it. Um, Washington has made a move uh, basically every year since they drafted John Wall at the deadline, whether it was flipping yeah. Kirk Heinrich for Mike Bibby, uh, flipping Jordan Crawford for nothing. Uh, you know, there's there's always been some kind of a move. But now that they've gotten past kind of, I guess, the big hurdle of convincing John Wall to stay, which, you know, it's still kind of a weird victory in some sense, even though we kind of spent a lot of time talking about how that deal might go badly. At least they don't have to operate from a position of paranoia about him leaving.
1: It could be worse. It's the Cavs situation yeah. is is worse yes. with, with LeBron and having to build a team not knowing if your star player is going to be there. So right. yeah, it's it you you're right in that in that sense. So like
0: now they can say, "Hey, I'm sorry John Wall if you don't like the move that we're making right now, but 2 years from now this team will be a lot better." Um and no, you don't, maybe you don't do that nuclear Philadelphia trade because I mean, who knows if the 76ers even do that. They might rather take the chance they can sign LeBron or whatever then you know, get Bradley Beal. Um, but, you know, it, it's – you can be a little more long-term in your thinking now than you were last summer and the years before because you know that your guys aren't going anywhere. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But any last thoughts on the team?
1: I do. I have a lot of thoughts on this team. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the, the main thing is, that, um, man, I, I just wish they would, they would get out of this flip-the-switch mode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're not a flip-the-switch team. They have no right to be bored at the 40, at 49, 50-game mark. We're not even at the All-Star break. They have no right to be bored already, and they're not a flip-the-switch team. When you think flip-the-switch teams, you think, you think uh, the Cavs, who have drama every year, come playoff time, they're fine the warriors a little bit you know they they they've gone to three three straight finals maybe they're getting i say they're getting bored they're 40 and 10 but you know when you go 73 and 9 a couple of years ago it makes a difference you know you, those old miami heat teams not not right away but uh the third and fourth year they were losing games the celtics after they won that championship and the thing with those teams they could all hang their hat on defense and ever since randy whitman got fired the Wizards don't play defense at as high of a level as they should and as they clearly could have. And you can't flip the switch unless you can fall back on defense. Because remember, when the playoffs come, possessions get, sh- they get shrunk, the game gets shrunk, shrunken, the score is lower, and if you can't lock down on defense, it's not going to happen. So my main thing with the Wizards right now is figure it out on defense. They just scored 129 points, at, again, it was against Atlanta, on the road without John Wall. They they can score, but can they lock down on defense? And can they do it every single night, even when their shot's not falling? That's the main thing that I want to see from this team. Are we going to see it? Who knows? But that's my final thought.
0: It's been very interesting that the Wizards' three-point defense has been oddly good, but I think it's come at the expense of their paint defense, which has been kind of abysmal all year, especially in that uh, Thunder loss last Thursday. But um, I guess my gripe or my pet peeve with um, maybe not so much the team, but just kind of everyone's line of thinking right now is that it has to be Otto or Oubre as the future at the wing. And I don't get that when everyone is moving to – having a lot of versatile perimeter players. Um, There's plenty of room for both of them to play, and usually their best lineups have both of them. And, you know, say what you want about Otto's struggles this season. Uh, Otto, at his worst, is still probably better than Markeith Morris this season. And so I don't get the urgency to move him when you could move Markeef. play Otto at the four, and just be better so um yeah so i guess my nutshell and probably a, a take that no one will be surprised in is uh don't trade don't trade Otto. he's young and he's pretty good don't trade him
1: and he can veto the trade this year
0: yes so again don't trade him he, he probably doesn't him. want to go he he's basically all his adult life he spent in washington why would you want to move um especially if you know you're getting dealt to uh, you know, whatever New Orleans. I mean, he wouldn't know what to do in New Orleans. He's auto Porter. He just, you know, he just looks at pictures of cars and fashion things on Instagram. He, he doesn't need to go to New Orleans for that. Is
1: he so, good? Fo- I I don't follow him on Instagram. Is he a good follow?
0: He's an interesting follow because he's been uncorrupted by Twitter. That's so, I was going to
1: say because he he's not on Twitter. Every time every time on TV when they when they announce the starting lineups and they have everybody's handle, he uh, he avoided avoided the sometimes black hole that is twitter
0: yeah like just to give you a quick idea of his um, instagram post his last picture of him is riding a bike like and a motorcycle
1: there's, or a bike
0: like an actual bike with like a basket in it it, it looks like one of those um ride sharing bikes okay yeah, you, yeah. you know you like drop it off at a place and then you can just pick one up somewhere yeah, else yeah, sure, sure. um there's one where he's sitting on his kitchen counter with um like a, what looks like a basket of oranges um and then a picture of him standing by a christmas tree so he's um,
1: uh okay. he's a, he's a lively guy.
0: yeah so um yeah so he wouldn't have anything to do in new orleans i guess is what i'm saying so just keep him in washington he's fine um so with that uh Alan, i thank you for uh dealing with my um mind numbing trade analysis of trades that have not happened
1: yet. You made made me think, you made me think, especially, especially the last one. Yeah. That, uh,
0: I mean, hopefully it, it never gets to that point. I, I think that's one of those trades that's just too scary and weird to ever actually happen. But at the same time, we just saw Blake Griffin got traded to the Pistons, so anything weird can happen and probably will at some point, but hopefully not tonight. So, um, With that, we will bid you adieu, and uh, don't forget to unplug your crockpots. Bye.